Welcome to the 9 to 5 podcast, brought to you by Worklight, a ministry uniting Christians to shine bright in the workplace. We hope you enjoy this episode. This is Luke Cahill, and I'm a board member of CIC Worklight, and I'm privileged to be joined by Jeremy Stanbury today. Thanks, Jeremy, for taking time to, to talk with us. You bet. My pleasure. Jeremy's been through an interesting journey himself. He is the executive artistic director of Open Window Theater. I'll let him explain that a little bit more, but it's a theater based here in the Twin Cities with a redemptive mission in the arts. And they've certainly been through a redemptive process over the last several years where they were forced to close through some reasons outside of their control and then had relaunched very recently in a brand new space due to a lot of kind of generous donors and we're excited to hit the ground running and then we all experience this COVID illness and pandemic that has effectively shut the world down and certainly that would have an impact on a live theater as they were wrapping up their first production so I'd love to hear you just talk a little bit Jeremy about what life was like for you and kind of how that felt as you were just getting kind of this theater going again and then to to experience what what happened with the pandemic yeah thank you i mean god never ceases to surprise us <laughs> as soon as we think we know his plans. I mean, what, what's, that, what's that famous saying? If, if you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans, right? And, and that's kind of what life is, has felt like lately. But that's okay, because I mean, that just deepens our, or should hopefully just deepen our faith and our reliance on God and the Holy Spirit, which is what ultimately what the Lord wants anyways. And so, yeah, we had just gone through a long journey after losing our theater space in our old location after five years in Minneapolis, going through a long, arduous litigation battle, and then finally having the opportunity to start down the path of bringing Open Window Theater back again in a new location. We succeeded in that monumental journey as well, and just scrambled to complete construction and open our first production at the start of the new year, the start of 2020 here, only to get slammed by the pandemic, which you know, started a real uptick in the U.S. about halfway through. Well, really, I mean, throughout the run of our inaugural production in the new space. But by the latter half of that run, we were seeing ticket sales really dropping off as people were starting to get cautious and afraid of going out. And then by the end of that run, we had to cancel the last few performances of our final weekend because our governor in our state was already at the point of putting restrictions on group gatherings. And I mean, it just happened so quickly. And it's obviously had a huge impact on service industry businesses like ours who are in the business of group gatherings. And so no sooner had we opened our doors that we had to close our doors again. And, and that was tough, you know, it, it remains tough. And yet here we are, you know, we were blessed initially by the support of our donors, you know, through some really sacrificial gifts during a time that everybody was really scared and afraid and, and uncertain. And donations initially got us through to finally receiving some disaster aid. And now, you know, we are set for being able to start next season here at Open Window. And uh, with a lot of things different, obviously, and we can talk more about that, but it's definitely changing the landscape a lot for live performing arts theaters. And a lot of them aren't going to survive, you know, smaller theaters like us. But because of our size, we're also nimble. And because of the support we have out there, you know, we're, we're going to be able to survive to fight for another season and make some changes that hopefully ensure our continued survival in the midst of this. But I think 
who we are, who Open Window is, the types of shows that we have to offer are more relevant and important than ever right now in, in times of fear and uncertainty and, and just radical divisiveness in our culture. Well, yeah, because you had your second show planned for April, correct? I forget right. So not only did we had to cut a little bit short our inaugural production, we had to cancel our spring production. And that put us in a really, really bad financial spot just immediately. You know, I mean, as a nonprofit arts organization, we never have a lot of money in the bank at any given time. But it brought me to my knees, of course. You know, we had just really just turned to the Lord in prayer. It was a scary time, you know, thinking that we could lose the theater again and all that had been built, all the sacrifices that our donors had made to build this place, that that could all be lost so quickly was a scary prospect. God's provision always ceases, never ceases to amaze me, I should say, you know, and in, in how God has provided for me, me and my family over the years through some difficult times and with the theater. We, we really felt strongly that we, we saw God's fingerprints, God's hand in this process of bringing the theater back for sure. And, uh, and in our journey the past several years, we weren't going to give up. We, we knew, we felt deeply that God did not bring us back to this point only for, you know, the theater to go out of business right, right away again. But in the end, you know, nobody really knows the mind of God, right? That's what faith is all about. Turning to God's word in the scriptures, turning to prayer and allowing God to guide us because the writing is never on the wall. And, and that's where faith comes into play trusting that God loves us, trusting that he has a plan, even if it's not what we have planned, but moving forward in faith and allowing God to steer us and, and guide us and trying to find peace in the midst of that knowledge of God's love and plan and that he's not going to abandon us. So as we experience God's provision each step of the way, that just gives us confidence moving forward and just reminds us, reminds us that, that God is with us and he's not going to abandon us. That idea of provision is very relevant then to kind of the, the next chapter of, the, of this story. So in Minneapolis, I'm sure as everyone knows, there was the tragic killing of George Floyd and then the subsequent kind of movement of this is enough. And it was a combination of many peaceful protests and a lot of people who, who wanted to just see change and in, into in racism um, in our world mixed with some with less pure intentions and, and certainly some violence and destruction that we experienced in Minneapolis. And then the aftermath of that was there was a call for aid and a call for those to show up and help and clean the streets and certainly a need for a lot of donations because not only had the pandemic cut off some of that supply through schools and different things, but certainly now you had food, more food deserts because several stores have been burned and Jeremy, you decided to do something. So what kind of prompted you to get involved? And certainly, how were you able to uh, be of assistance in that moment? You know, I was deeply impacted by the unjust killing of George Floyd. As so many of us were, and, and, and that hitting so close to home, I mean, it should hit close to home to our humanity, no matter who we are. And then here in the Twin Cities as well, hitting so close to home that I just felt the need in my spirit to do something, you know, more than just with words, you know, what, what can I do right now to help those in need and, and, and play some part in bringing about some reconciliation and some peace and some justice where I'm able to. What, what I did was I feel like very insignificant. What I have done, what I will continue to do is, is basically a drop in the ocean. But, you know, essentially the ocean is made up of many drops right and and it's that collective effort that creates something big and beautiful and and powerful and meaningful and you know we have a trailer for open window theater 
a big six by 12 enclosed trailer. And I thought this thing is not being put to use right now for open window. And I know that there's a lot of distribution needs for the goods that are being donated. And a lot of this is just, these are just pop-up efforts, you know, churches and other organizations that are just quickly putting out the call for pop-up distribution sites where they're needed in Minneapolis and the midway of St. Paul, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of time to organize this. And so I just wanted to, you know, make myself and my trailer available wherever it could be because I can move, move a lot of stuff relatively quickly. And so, yeah, I just started kind of putting the word out on social media, like, Hey, who's, who needs help? Uh, how can I help? Here's what I have to offer. And, you know, some organizations that were on social media, organizing things, reaching out to them. Here's what I have and can offer. How, how can I be of assistance? And on Monday this week, somebody just said, Hey, look, I know that there's a big distribution site at, you know, such and such intersection in, in Minneapolis. And I wasn't getting any firm takers. A lot of people were like, yeah, we can use your help, but you know, we're starting, still trying to figure out how and when. So I finally just said, you know, I'm just going to drive down to this intersection where I was told there's a big distribution site and just see what I can do. And yeah, that ended up being very fruitful. You know, I wasn't even sure how I was going to get down there coming from the other side of the cities. A lot of roads were closed because of the riots, but yeah, I got down there and got connected with the right people that put me to work right away. And it was a long, arduous day. It was very, very hot, sweltering hot. We were literally filling this trailer multiple times, floor to ceiling, front to back with, you know, big packages of bottled water and feminine hygiene items and just, you know, all kinds of essential things and food and whatnot. And so it was a difficult day, but I was really encouraged by just seeing the, the, the masses of humanity, people coming out, you know, not caring about all kinds of insignificant things that, that, you know, people are typically fighting about and things that divide us, but it was just people helping people. I want to be here to help. And that was just a really, really beautiful thing and a beautiful thing to be, to be a part of. And, and so then I've continued to just kind of help out as needed this week. People are reaching out to me because they know I'm doing this and, and I'll keep offering uh, and helping as I'm able. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of need out there and, I just wanted to do my part, which is a small part, but there's a you know a part that we can all play. You know, if people aren't able to be out there and, and physically helping, prayer is no insignificant thing. You know, prayer is a work of mercy. So there's a lot of things that that we can do to fight for peace and justice and help those in need from home as well, whether it's financially or through prayers or people that are physically able and willing. You know, getting out there and, and lending a hand. It's just kind of interesting how going from isolation, you know, where we're all quarantined in our homes to now, like this opportunity to this need to come together, both to have voices heard as well as actually kind of feed the hungry and care for the basic needs in, in the case you're talking about. And it's like, I know for myself, like there's such a struggle. And when like my business started to suffer as a result of the pandemic and how a lot kind of started to shut down and how I would first focus on my own needs and it was harder to feel generous and wanting to put out there and just knowing it, your own struggle and kind of the, the challenges that you face, you've gotten through some of them. Certainly there's a long road ahead, you know, with the theater and still the seeing the opportunity to be generous and serve others. Has that had an impact on even like your outlook now on and kind of your vocation having been able to do this for a week or so? Yeah. And, and it is a challenge for me, because I, uh, you know, I'm a very introverted person, which it may surprise people when they hear that actors, <laughs> theater people are introverted, but there's a surprisingly high number of actors and theater artists 
who are big time introverts. <laughs> Acting on the stage is kind of a somewhat controlled, safe environment to be able to interact with the world and society. And I think that's part of what kind of um, attracts introverts into theater and the arts is it's, it's a way for them to express themselves um, in a safer, I guess, more controlled way. But, but, but yeah, it's hard for me to put myself out there, you know, in, in the way that I did, especially not you know, earlier in the week, not having somebody specific connected to that I was tapped into. It was just like, I'm just going to drive out to this, this area of town that literally looks and feels like a war zone and see how I can be of help. That was a leap of faith for me and, and difficult for me to kind of put myself out there in that way. But, um, and also I just started, you know, sharing donation sites online for these communities that had been burned down and were in great need. And, you know, and that's where like my own nonprofit right now is struggling and fighting for every dollar to ensure our survival in the coming months and the coming season. But I had to put that aside and say, you know, look, I'm not competing with these organizations. Like these people are in greater immediate need than I am right now. And I just, you know, I want to drive help and support to them. And I know that we have a generous community of individuals with open window theater. So you know, and I, I really believe that one of the greatest gifts that artists have to offer society is the gift of empathy through the arts oftentimes that we build empathy in society for other people's stories. You know, we, it's understandable that, you know, that we're primarily concerned with our own lives, our own families and our own security and stability unless we're walking in somebody else's shoes, it can be hard to understand and have, you know, deep empathy for what they're going through. And that's what the arts enable us to do, and theater in particular. It's the closest experience I think we have of kind of walking in somebody else's shoes, trying to understand somebody else's story. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. So you find deep empathy oftentimes in, in artists. And one of the people I've been helping out with, one of the organizations that stepped up right away and started just like trying to collect donated goods to distribute was Climb Theater, which is another Invergrove Heights theater here in the suburb that Open Window is in, in the Twin Cities. And I was inspired by them gathering their staff and, and doing what they could to start organizing donation drives and distributing goods where needed. And so I offered my help to them as well, saying, look, I can drive and help you distribute this stuff. And so it's just people helping people is a beautiful thing in time of need. And, and then seeing others doing the same, you know, just helps to inspire i think more generosity and that's what we need right now not only to help those in dire need but also to show people of all backgrounds colors you know coming together for a common purpose you know for the sake of peace and justice and supporting our fellow human beings uh, we need that right now yeah that's powerful so I, as you look ahead then with open window theater given some knowns some unknowns what is in the works? What are you working on? Kind of what are you look, looking to solve? And certainly how does that kind of relate to uh, what you just experienced? Yeah, I mean, our mission is really about producing redemptive quality theater. And, and what that means to us is we often bring stories um, of faith to the stage that grapple with issues of, of Christian faith and religion in a real thought-provoking, authentic way, which is often unique in the arts and in theater world, but also stories that focus on hope and reconciliation and, and showing how the capacity for both individuals as well as society towards positive change. Boy, is that needed right now, right? Those kinds of stories in a lot of contemporary theater is a lot of 
anger and, and people just complaining about injustices and problems out there. And, and, and that's important too. And that can have an important role, but you know, through the kind of art that we do, we want to, you know, help provide a vision for positive change, not just complaining about the problems that many of us are aware of in society, but bringing those to light, putting that mirror up to society, which is what theater does in a really powerful way, putting a mirror up to ourselves, to humanity and society, so we can clearly see the problems that are there. But we want to do more than that. We also want to be a window, right? An open window to cast a vision for uh, positive change and how we can bring about reconciliation and foster faith and hope in society. So we don't shy away from the difficult issues and the problems we face, but we want to grapple with those in a redemptive way that this shows the possibility for positive change. And I think that's incredibly important right now. Uh, so we're going to keep doing what we do, trying to find plays and stories that can really speak to the times and the issues that are being grappled with right now. The, the fall production that we're going to be doing I mean, our whole season next season was already determined before, you know, before the, the George Floyd killing and, and everything that's resulted from that. But I think it's interesting how the Holy Spirit is always at work, regardless God sees all. And so I feel like the season we have coming up is, is already kind of well-tuned to the circumstances right now and speaks, speaks to a lot of the issues that are going on. And then we'll continue to keep that in mind as we press forward. But our fall production is about the young life, the young adulthood of St. Um, Pope John Paul II, who grew up under the incredibly unjust oppression of the Nazi occupation of Poland during World War II. Yeah, he experienced and, and witnessed a lot of horrible atrocities during that time, risked his own life in resistance to the Nazi occupation through a cultural resistance. And it was through those experiences that really helped form and shape him into really a, a champion for human rights and social justice himself, among many other things. And so there's a lot I think we can learn from his story during the Nazi occupation that are applicable to our times right now as well. And just in terms of the innate dignity of the human person, the respect that we should have for that, and also how we can provide resistance, cultural resistance, societal resistance to injustices around us and that we see and then our Christmas production is a new adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. So one, a couple of things to that show. One, just the show selection itself. I had some pushback from advisors with Open Window because our big kind of flagship theater in the Twin Cities, our regional flagship theater here in the upper Midwest is the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis. And for decades now, they've done an annual production of A Christmas Carol. That's kind of their thing. And that's where a lot of people go. <laughs> for their annual Christmas carol. Early tradition for many people, yeah. Yeah, it's a tradition for a lot of people. And so, you know, a lot of other theaters like just don't even try to compete with the Guthrie, right? Doing a Christmas carol. But but we saw a need, you know, we, one, I, I love this adaptation, the uniqueness of it. And it really brings Christ and, and, and faith into the story in a new way, which I like, but it's just really, really well written and beautiful and deals with some social justice stuff as well. But it was a great adaptation, and we wanted to be the, the premiere for that. And I thought there was room for us to do a Christmas Carol in the Twin Cities, even with the Guthrie, because we serve a multi-generational audience at Open Window, all ages. And we have a lot of families and kind of atypical theater goers that are patrons at Open Window either are priced out of, of going to the Guthrie because it's very expensive to take a family there for an yeah. outing, you know, or don't typically go to the Guthrie anyways. And so 
I thought we could serve that, that market, but then the Guthrie decided to shut down because of the pandemic for a much longer period of time, a much bigger entity. They were going to be losing a lot of money if they continued to produce shows right now this next season. So now suddenly there is no competition for Christmas Carol in the Twin Cities. And so we have that going for us, which was an unexpected surprise from all of this. And also we had a vision for doing a Christmas Carol in a, in a colorblind fashion, meaning uh, casting the show in a, in a racially, ethnically diverse way. And, and that's something that I believed in as well in terms of our vision is particularly shows that don't have historical roots where with historical figures that, that we know and expect kind of what they should look like, right? But, but even in that, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda's Hamilton has showed us the, the beauty and what we can do uh, with colorblind casting, even among historical figures. But I had a vision for a Christmas Carol for colorblind casting, and you don't ever see that with a Christmas Carol. And so that's something that I like to do. We did that with our production of Every Man in our final season, our old location. And I wanted to do that with a Christmas Carol as well as bring actors of color into that show where you don't typically see that, particularly with the, the role of Scrooge the intention of, of casting a, a black actor in that iconic role of Scrooge uh, that's typically played by a white male. And, you know, those decisions had already been made before the racial, you know, unrest that developed from the George, George Floyd killing. So, you know, we think that's going to be a beautiful thing as, as part of our season as well in, in the unrest uh, that we're dealing with here in the Twin Cities. But and in the midst of all that, of course, we're expecting that we're going to have some limitations and people that we can bring into open window theater. So we're planning on streaming or bringing virtual performances of our shows online next season as well. So if somebody wanted to look into buying tickets, if they're located in Twin Cities area, or certainly if they wanted to explore uh, more remote viewing, how would they go about buying tickets? So certainly go to our website, openwindowtheater.org. Spell theater with a R-E at the end instead of E-R. So openwindowtheater.org. From there, we, we already have season ticket packages available on our website. We're offering standard season subscriptions, so ticketed seats in the theater, as well as we're offering the, the live stream, the virtual season passes for next season. And you know, right now we're in the midst of figuring out all the logistics for putting on a really high quality uh, virtual performances of our shows online. So we're going to be making you know, some significant equipment investments and uh, figuring out all the logistics to bring the quality product from the stage and bring that online. People can have some confidence that we'll have that figured out in the next few months. <laughs> uh, yeah, so those who can't, aren't comfortable joining us in person in the Twin Cities, but also now performances will be able to be viewed by a much broader audience remotely. We don't know right now kind of how restricted we'll be. We, we anticipate, you know, we're going to have to be implementing some social distancing here at Open Window in the coming season. Right now, we're kind of expecting, anticipating at least half a house, restricting ourselves to half a house and, and allowing for that social distancing we need. But we don't know if additional restrictions are going to be placed upon us beyond that. But And then we, we also you know, have all of our new kind of COVID policies on our website. So if people want to join us in person, they can see all that we're doing to kind of mitigate the risk and, and, and do things as safely as we can while you know, continuing to produce theater here at Open Window. Um, and then those who buy a standard pass in the Twin Cities, you know, they, they have the opportunity to exchange their tickets for a virtual uh, a streaming ticket for any of our shows up to a week before their performance date. So we're allowing a lot of flexibility here. They might 
want to join us in person for some shows and might not. Or Certainly necessity breeds innovation. So it's great to see all the innovative, albeit I'm sure it's a lot of work, but work is a gift. So there, there you go. <laughs> a lot of opportunity to receive that gift. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, well, Jeremy, thanks so much for taking the time and just modeling service and, and what it means to, to trust fully in God's providence. And you certainly have experienced some of the goodness of that and, and also had to live in the tension a bit. So thanks for sharing the story and uh, we'll look forward to, to seeing these productions in the fall and Christmas. Amen. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Worklight, please visit our website at worklight.org, where we are continuously providing tools and resources to support you living your faith at work.